0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is A to Z with Mark Zeno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good morning. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you, I hope the old dog has some new tricks. Welcome in. We are live here once again on our YouTube channel, our live stream. So make sure you guys, if you're watching, give us a like and a follow. We certainly appreciate all the love and support. Up near 3,000 followers now on our YouTube page. So uh, continue to like and subscribe to all the content here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Of course, give us a follow on Twitter at mark Zeno and at locked on atl a lot to get to today including a prediction for kyle pitts that i'm actually going to place money on myself uh as well um some reactions and over reactions to the braves sweeping the boston red sox at fenway park last night in the uh, two game series Uh, we'll get to that as well as shovels of wisdom all coming up today on the show, appreciate you guys starting your Thursday with us here on A to Z and Locked On Sports Atlanta. And again, uh, don't forget to leave some comments down in the comment section here on our YouTube page. If you guys are live streaming and watching live, certainly love to interact with you guys there as well. All right, uh, let's start today with UGA. Um, and I know the Braves are all the rage here for a moment, but uh, you know, I, I kind of felt like this was important to address because we are getting closer to the season. And we're starting to, you know, with the coach's poll coming out, and that doesn't mean anything, folks. Don't even sweat it. But, you know, we're just getting the the itch for college football to get back. And so Andy Naylor, who writes to The Athletic, covers college football, did a, you know, mailbag. You know how reporters do these mailbags. like, hey, send me whatever your questions are, and I'll answer. Well, somebody named Austin wrote to Andy Naylor and said, quote, Stetson Bennett will finish his career with doubters no matter what he does in 2022 But doesn't it look like the UGA offense has a chance to be elite and help cover some of the defensive attrition? The offense went into handoff mode with backups in the second half of games of 21, but the explosiveness was there a year ago, and the return of Bennett with a tremendous tight end group, Eric Gilbert and Brock Powers, and good wide receivers could be a scoring machine. And that was from Austin. Well, uh, yes, Austin is right that Stetson Bennett is going to kind of always be questioned at the end of the day uh, as a better than great college quarterback. Why? Well, there's a couple of reasons why one, we view our quarterbacks nowadays through a passing lens, right? And how well can you throw the ball? How deep down the field can you throw the ball? How many passes can you connect with? How many yards can you put up? How many touchdowns can you throw all those sort of fantasy football ideals have permeated our conscience And have forced us to look at things in a certain way. Uh, The other thing we look at our quarterbacks for is their ability to be dual threat. Can you pass and you run? Can you do those both effectively? Can you help your team win games? It is now the rage in the NFL. Uh, Having an immobile quarterback is seen as a liability. Uh, A pocket quarterback is seen as a liability versus a mobile quarterback can make things happen and make plays. The problem is is that Stetson Bennett is the perfect Alabama quarterback prior to 2016, right? He is the pre-2016 perfect Alabama quarterback, the pre-Clemson quarterback, right, when Clemson started winning national titles. Think about it. Greg McElroy, national championship. A.J. McCarron, national championship. Jake Coker, national championship. Um, You want to take any guess on where any of those folks were drafted in the NFL? Well, McElroy went in the seventh round, McCarron went in the fifth round, and Coker went undrafted. Why? Because they didn't express a great skill set that wowed anybody. That sounds eerily like Stetson Bennett. Does he have a great skill set that wows anybody? No. Not only no, but hell no. And, you know, Stetson – doesn't fit either mold of the quarterbacks that we talked about. Guys who throw the ball down the field, do it with a ton of accuracy, throw a lot of touchdowns, and he doesn't run or is not perceived as mobile. And so even this year, when he gets into this season, and I agree that this offense is going to be pretty potent, and I think that this defense from last year will have some sort of regression. I 100% believe that. That said, is Stetson Bennett good enough to pick up the slack? And he's going to have two of the best tight ends possibly in the country. He's already got one of them, Brock Bowers. But Eric Gilbert could be equally as good. This is a tight end group that could have over 80 catches and over 20 touchdowns combined. Like, that's not out of the realm of possibility. But again, tight end passing doesn't really move the excitement needle about quarterbacks. Why? Because tight ends don't run 45 yards down the field. That's not what happens, right? Like that's not how all this goes. And so while it's great to connect with them and they're outsized tight ends and they create mismatch problems and they're going to constantly be open and they're huge targets in the red zone, we look at that as more on the tight end being the reason why things went well than the quarterback. Now, here's the real rub for Stetson Bennett this year, more than anything, because the question is, can you win with it? And the short answer is, yes, you can. But if your defense isn't all world, like George's was last year, if you run into a Deshaun Watson like Bama did, and you run into a Trevor Lawrence like Bama did, Or, in Georgia's case, you run into a a Tua Tagovailoa slash Jalen Hurts when they lost the national title game to Bama. you got to have an all-world defense to shut that stuff down. And Georgia did last year. That's what they did to C.J. Stroud. uh, C.J. Stroud. Sorry, Bryce Young. That's what they did last year. So can you win with this guy? Sure you can. But you better have an all-world defense like you did last year. And don't give me, oh, look at the final score of the national championship game last year. Guys, it was a one-point game <laughs> with uh, about eight minutes left to go. Like, let's let, let's not change the, the rewrite history here. You know, I mean, Alabama ha- had taken a uh, 18-13 lead. Georgia scores a touchdown. Now, granted, again, they went right down the field in 70, 75 yards and four plays and scored a touchdown. But they also got a huge pass interference call on that drive. So that wasn't all Stetson Bennett throwing at 75 yards down the field. Georgia's defense did exactly what Georgia's defense does. Three plays, negative two yards, and a short 38-yard punt. And next thing you know, a touchdown again. That also had a pass interference penalty on Alabama. I'm not saying this to denigrate. And the last one, of course, was a pick six. So, you know, you get... Uh, two touchdowns and three touchdowns overall in the course of seven minutes with a pick six and two pass interference penalties on third down that extended drives. I mean, again, it sounds like I'm saying this to knock Stetson Bennett down a notch. I'm not. It's just the reality of the situation. The reality is, is that Stetson Bennett still has a lot to prove. And guess what? Stetson Bennett's not going to be drafted because nobody sees the value in him beyond college. Now, he might be undrafted, or he might be well, maybe agent like eight, Greg McElroy, a seventh-round pick, if he does really well. I mean, a lot of guys will draft a guy based off a championship pedigree. It's another national title. He'll get drafted in the late rounds, just like McElroy? did. Didn't McElroy win, two, or did he win one and McCarron went, two. I forget. But anyway, I mean, th- there's not a skill set that's special about Stetson Betting, and that's okay, but objectively— He is a very old-school quarterback in a new school game. All right, coming up next, a prediction about Kyle Pitts that I'll actually put my own money on. That is coming up. First, a word from our friends at Built Bar, the people who invented healthy and tasty protein bars. Well, newest gift to your taste buds. If you haven't tried the Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, it's amazing uh it's just one of those those protein bars that you're absolutely going to love well guess what your friends have built have given it the puffs treatment that's right coconut brownie chunk is in puffs remember puffs i told you about it. it's that protein marshmallowy gooey goodness it is amazing coconut brownie chunk built bars the flavor that you love now in deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. Stop drooling and listen. They're good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and delicious coconut brownie chunk puffs bars are here for a limited time. So you got to go to built.com right now to make sure you don't miss out because they are going fast. Of course, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free because they're actually good for you. I love my Bilt bars right after dinner if I want something sweet or if it gets later on in the evening and I'm looking for a snack and don't want to feel or bloated or overweight or anything built bars are absolutely perfect and this one is particularly delicious the coconut bratty junk built puffs bar go to built.com right now and use the promo code lock 15 to get 15 percent off your order again use promo code lock 15 all right let's pivot here to the Atlanta Falcons who will by the way have a uh, a game tomorrow night against the uh against the Detroit Lions in the preseason and uh, I'm still holding off doing the, well, I can't, what do you expect to see in the first preseason game? It's just the laziest sports talk out there. Sorry, it just is. Like, don't do that. Um, try harder. There's there's more content out there than, what are you looking for? Here's what I'm looking for in the first preseason game. Uh, yeah, anyway. My good friend, Michael Rosty of ESPN.com had uh, a great column out there on Kyle Pitts uh, and why he could be in for a, a special second season. And I've talked a little bit about this on the show over the course of the summer. Uh, And one of the things that Mike Rothstein points out that is the one thing that we all point out when it comes to Kyle Pitts of his great rookie season where he was the first tight end in 60 years to break 1,000 yards. And uh, he was the first tight end since 2002 to make a Pro Bowl. uh, First rookie tight end, I should say. Uh, But the only number that stood out about Kyle Pitts last year was one. That's in touchdowns. That's all he had. Well, Mike Rothstein, again, points out that you can tell that that number still really stuck with Kyle Pitts, and he expects a lot more this year. That's why my prediction, I won't even call it bold, but I will bet on it, and I guarantee you, you're probably getting at least four and a half to one uh, on it, if not more than that. Kyle Pitts will have two touchdowns in the season open. And I'll put my own money on that. If it's that important to him, and again, I trust Mike because I know he's a great reporter and he senses these things and really is uh, very astute about it. Um, If it's still sticking in his craw, he's talked to Marcus Mariota about it, they're going to scheme for it. And, uh, you know, they will absolutely get him the ball in the red zone. I have said about Kyle Pitts, my expectations for this year, because the number one biggest jump in your football career of anybody who has a sustainable one is from year one to year two, right? You've now got a year of football under your belt. You understand all the processes of the NFL. You understand what it takes to get ready for a game. Your body has gone through a full rigors of a regular season, all 17 games, 16, 17 games of it right? All those things you now have the muscle memory for. Now that you have all that muscle memory, you can turn the attention back to better understanding the game, knowing how to become a better football player, understanding what advantages you need, whether it be offensively or defensively and all that. That's the biggest joke. So there should be there. It's fair to have high expectations of Kyle Pitts this season from a statistical standpoint. But I'm not even focused on touchdowns. And I've said this before. There are absolutely three things that I am focused on for Kyle Pitts. We've talked about this before, but it bears reiterating again. One of them is targets. Last year at had 110. That number better be at 130. There is legitimately no reason whatsoever for him not to be the number one targeted player in this offense, period. And why? Because in Mike Rossine's column, he talks religiously about how not only once or twice, he gives one specific example, but multiple drills. He has dominated defenders, has had wide open catches, has had a, a, an easy target or an easy sort of a reception area for the quarterbacks to get the ball to. And while you could argue that says bad things about the Falcons defense, because they keep giving up, you get the point. But it plainly says that Kyle Pitts is nearly impossible to cover. Even the fastest linebackers are going to struggle to keep up with him. Even the tallest safeties are going to struggle to to be able to get him breaking out of a route in the right spot. Right. So there is a reason to believe that every time he runs on the field, there is a decided advantage and mismatch in his favor. And that said, well, he should be getting the ball more than any other player on this team now i know i said what do you expect to see in the preseason game i'm not going to do that but i will take note they better force feed him the ball just once don't care because you're going to force feed him the ball all season long don't care what the situation like first third down just throw it to Pitts, throw it his way why because that's going to be the mantra this dude's going to be open this is our guy that moves to change which is the other major stat that i'm looking at for kyle pitts last year Nearly two out of every three catches that Kyle Pitts made went for a first down. First down. That number better be in the same spot. He better be the move the chains got. On third down, everybody should know the ball is going to Pitts and nobody can stop it, period. If it doesn't, it better lead to what did we talk about the other day earlier this week? Illegal contact penalties, pass interference, defensive holding, whatever it may be. Either way, that better result in a first down because that's the kind of guy that he needs to be. And then finally, the third set is yards per catch. He, last year, of all receivers with at least 50 receptions, Kyle Pitts was fifth in the NFL in yards per catch at over 15 yards per catch behind guys like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, you know, really big, fast, tall guys that, you know, run 40 yards down the field and catch a ball in the air past defenders. He's in that category. Not because he runs 40 yards downfield really fast. Why? Because, you know, he does a four-yard out route, and then turns it upfield, nobody can catch him. So not expecting him to run fly routes on the field. Although they could use him that way. Who knows? But those are the three things I'm looking at for him. Targets, yards per catch, first downs. Those are the things that Kyle Pitts needs to be judged against. And if he's exceeding in those categories, then he is going to have a huge impact on this team. Let the world know early and often, folks, and fantasy nerds take note, If you're drafting Kyle Pitts, you better start early. Because if they don't force feed him the ball early, guess what? He's going to become useless late. And I don't mean that in the game. I mean in the season. Sure, we'll put up numbers, but it'll be garbage numbers. The games you're behind in, everything else. If he's not scoring touchdowns in the first half of games, seems like a schematic issue to me more than anything. All right, well, we'll hand out Shovels of Wisdom right after this, get to the Atlanta Braves as they get set for another series and uh, some reactions and overreactions to the two-game series with the Red Sox. But first, a word from our friends at Coffee AM. Coffee never tasted so good. Coffee AM is an Atlanta-based small batch coffee roaster that sends you some of the freshest coffee out there. Why? Because most of their coffees are roasted and shipped on the same day or very close to it. This is a company that when they send you a box of their coffee, I'm telling you, you don't even have to open it. You can smell the box. That's how good the coffee smells. And it tastes amazing. They only roast current crop special degree coffees, and they got a selection from around the world, countries you haven't even heard of, Sumatra, Kenya, Tanzania, Transylvania. I kid. But if they had coffee from there, I'd try it. Why? Because it's delicious. Organic, fair trade, direct trade, and expertly crafted huge blends, espressos, coffees, teas, and gift set a whole lot more, and they're roasted right here in our backyard in Georgia. Go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on today and take a look at their full menu of coffees, teas, and gift sets. That's coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Use the coupon code locked on at checkout to get 15% off your first order of coffees, teas, and gift sets. Coffee AM, the best small batch coffee roaster in America. All right, uh, we got to get to the Braves here as they had a very, very uh, good two games. At least the offense woke up and started playing baseball the right way. Uh, We'll get to them in a moment, but now time for a shovel of wisdom. Brace yourselves because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom. Ah, you know how we do it every day. It is uh this show's responsibility to set people straight. For saying you're doing something stupid, we gotta whack them right upside the head with a shovel, a metaphorical shovel, if you will. We do it with the shovel of wisdom. You can hand out yours as well on my Twitter account at Mark Zeno M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And have, use the hashtag shovel of wisdom. And today my shovel goes to Tony Jefferson. If you're a football aficionado, you might know Tony Jefferson. Uh, he is a safety for the Baltimore Ravens Uh, and he tweeted out last night uh, at around 9.23 Eastern I suppose 9.23 p.m. Quote I can't even lie I stopped wearing my glasses years ago and that might have been the dumbest thing I've done I can see so much clearer and further with my glasses it's wild Tony Um. You know, this is a guy, by the way, in the NFL who's, like, on his second chance, Uh, didn't work out, got picked up by the Ravens again. He's fighting for playing time against the 13th, 14th overall pick, whatever it was, in Kyle Hamilton. Uh, Yeah. There you go. I mean, (laughs) somebody responded to him, and and he responded back, I wasn't wearing anything. I used to wear contacts and glasses in college, but I've stopped. Yeah, you know, Tony, um, being able to see – on a football field, is rather important. Just I'm going out on a limb here. And all I can think of is that scene from Dodgeball where Peter LaFleur, a.k.a. Vince Vaughn, blindfolds himself and then Jason Bateman, a.k.a. Uh, Pepper. Uh, the announcer goes, yeah, he will not be able to see very well, Cotton. <laughs> Dude, I guess it's it's worthwhile to admit that you weren't wearing glasses, but now that you started wearing them again, hopefully your play gets better. Who knows? I mean, some dudes have no shame on the internet, which is fine. I'm not, you know, let it fly. Speak your mind. Totally cool. I'm good with it. Uh, yeah. So let's see how this works out for him and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and there's videos on the internet of him getting, like, smoked down the field and missing coverage completely. Why? Because, well, you know, he couldn't see anybody. Ridiculous. Good luck, Tony. We wish you the best there, brother. Congratulations. All right. Um, Braves get a uh, big win last night against the Red Sox. Uh, and before we get to the Vaughn Grissom stuff, which is the part of the reaction to the game and even the overreaction, uh, there was something that I took note of uh, when it comes to Ryan Snicker and managing the game. You know, if you look at the Look inside the box score. us. Any of you watched the game, and I don't know how closely you guys might have paid attention to it, but there's a couple of things that were a little bit head-scratching to me uh, when I look at the game. Kyle Wright goes six innings, scatters six hits in the run, because any time you have more than like three or four hits, you have to scatter the rest of them. Uh, and he only throws 77 pitches. Now, at the end of the sixth inning, it was a 3-1 game. After the top of the seventh, it was a 5-1 one game. And my guess is that Brian Snicker had every intention of letting him go out for the seventh inning until they scored two runs in the seventh, uh, when the aforementioned Marquise Grissom, Marquise Grissom, dear Lord, Vaughn Grissom <laughs> hit a home run uh in his first uh or his first phase first of We'll get to that in a second. So I think this is that's classic overmanaging, to be honest with you. Why? And it's more beyond the result that Dylan Lee came in and gave up a three-run bomb to Tommy Pham, and it made it a 5-4 game at that point in time. Things got a little bit tight around the collar. Um, 77 pitches. You know what? I have been a huge opponent of, and I don't know why managers don't do this, let the guy start the inning. Guy gets on, then he angle. You could get a one-pitch pop-out. There's there's no reason like, – and of all things, and here's the other part that was a little bit head-scratching. You're in a 5-1 game. It's not necessarily a high-leverage situation. But it feels like, to me, that would have been the spot for Rasiel Iglesias. Like, you know, he, he's pitched in really kind of uh, mop-up roles. You know? Um, he did pitch in the game last night um against Boston but the two games against the Mets were not games that really was any high leverage situation and this is a guy I, I would have thought that you would have used more in those high leverage spots because of why you brought him here and Jansen who pitched last night um as well you know he's only pitched twice now since the since the 31st I think it was it's been like 10 days well, I don't know. I always kind of question man. Uh, you know, uh, deal with the bullpen and, and his handling over that time. I think that was one of the biggest criticisms he got when he got here, something that I think was really well-deserved. Um, obviously, he's won a World Series now, so you don't necessarily question him anymore. Um, th- that is what it is. But regardless, you know, they're, they're, it worked out well for the Braves last night. Uh, Iglesias does pitch the knife, by the way. It wasn't a safe situation, but uh, – Race the head down to Miami, um, and it will take on the tomorrow. Now, Cooper for Devon Grissom. Incredibly special night. Very special start. Uh, and uh, can we just put the brakes on drowning the guy after four major league get bats? Oh, well, just like Michael Harris, he skipped triple. Hey, look at the oh, start he had. It's going to be Michael Harris. Stop. Stop. Oh, well, look Now we got the shortstop in the future. Maybe we let Dansby go. Stop. 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 Okay. you better hope that Gristom is as good as Dansby is. You better hope. You better hope he's another Dansby sponsor. Because if he's not, he's still going to have a pretty decent major league career for a long time. You better hope that he plays that well. Guys, in reality right now, Christmas has nowhere to play. He's here until Ozzy Albies gets back, and that's the end of it. Now, he'll stay up through September because he's over here, right, and, and the rosters expand and everything else there's no reason to, but he'll start next year in triple. Where are you going to play him? Short of not being able to sign Dansby Swanson, that'd be the only reason, he's got nowhere to play. Even if he could play third, that guy's locked up. Even if he could play second, that guy's locked up. And if you lock up Dansby, which I guarantee you they have every intention of doing it. Every, 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 every intention of doing. If it was up to Alex Anthopoulos right now, I would say, yes, we're extending Dan. So settle on the, uh, like, let's write this guy's future after four major to get that. Great start. Not taking anything anywhere Special. Really special. Awesome bat flip. And if he never plays another day, day in the majors, that home run swing with that bat popping out, I'd have that frame. I'd have that framed with him finishing the swing and the bat and the side flipping away. Bam. Perfect picture. That'll get that to be framed in that dude's house for the rest of his life. That is an awesome moment. Let's stop it. All right, that'll do it for us today. Appreciate you guys listening and watching ABC right here on our YouTube channel, on our live stream. Of course, you can get all of our podcasts ready to get them Just search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Check out all the shows we got here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, ATL Day Ones. Peyton Hartman, John Chuckery, the Braves postcast, as well as Lockdown Falcons, Lockdown Hawks. Subscribe so and like uh, the YouTube channel as well. Get us over to the 3,000. We are excited that you guys are on alongside of us for this journey. I'll be back for the final live stream edition of ABZ tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern. You guys have a great day. Don't give a crap